So Imogen has the plague, and so today we have the pleasure of co-host producer Jono. Hello, everyone. I'm not sure Imo actually has the plague. It could actually be worse than the plague based on her description. Mm. Not that we're calling her dramatic or anything, but... <laughs> God forbid. Quel surprise. But yeah, it, it does sound like she's quite unwell, so we hope she's feeling better soon. You're recently recovered from the plague. I am. I, I fought through. The struggle was very real. I'm not very good at being sick. I am, in the words of my husband, incredibly annoying when I'm sick. Well, I mean, the plague has lent your voice a very pleasing, dulcet husk. I'm not mad about it. Let, let's just put it like that. Anyway, kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Jono. And this is What's Worth Talking About. The 2018 census was a bit of a disaster. And this year's one looks like it might be too. We will explain why and why it matters to you. Also, how to make ChatGPT work for you with some really simple hacks. The will we, won't we of recession prediction. So what does the economic crystal ball tell us is probably going to happen and what you need to know about it? And, of course, as we all know, people on planes are disgusting, but a definitive list of airline sins has been drawn up by an experienced flight attendant. We'll dish the tea on that shortly. All that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. So we had the census earlier this year. It was great fun. As always, I aced it 100%. <laughs> awesome. So mm. did I. <laughs> And uh, this year's census was very important because the last one in 2018 was not so good. It had a low response rate. There were lots of apologies. It led to the resignation of New Zealand's chief statistician. And much of the data is considered of low usefulness. We were hoping this year's census would have a better response rate. So how are things looking and why does this actually matter for normal people? Well, to discuss this is Dornell Klein. Dornell's a research fellow at Koi Tu Centre for Informed Futures. Kia ora to you. Kia ora, Emil. So, look, as we established, the 2018 census wasn't great. So what's the deal? How are we tracking this year? Uh, well, I mean, Staff New Zealand has made some some really good changes this year, um, you know, based on what happened in 2018. So they really tried to improve the census this year. The turnout is still not where we would expect it to be at this moment. As of today, uh, about 4.5 million people have returned their individual form, so about 88% of the population. Māori uptake is a bit over 70%, so just a little bit slightly better than 2018. So we're still hoping that there is going to be more uptake by the end of June, still not where we expect to be. Yeah, because that's still not quite at the level that we want it to be at. As, although this year was difficult, I think Cyclone Gabriel hit just when around sort of census day. So there are complicating factors there, would you say? Yeah, of course. It's, it's We're dealing with, it's just a different set of challenges this year. Yeah, as you said, um, Gabriel, we had effects from COVID that we're still seeing, things like uh, social cohesion um, decreasing, you know, trust decreasing uh, in government. Donnell, explain this to me. Outside of being of interest to statistics nerds like you, whom we love and who are very important to society, <laughs> like, why does census data like matter? What practical impacts um, d does the census have on policy and the society that we kind of live in? Uh, well, the census, it affects everyone, really. Um, it, you know, you should stand up and be counted. 
and it al allows us to see how things are changing in the society over time. So are we doing well? Are we progressing? Are there in inequities in the society? And on a practical sense for government, um, they have these resources, our tax dollar. Where are those tax dollars going to be used and how can we use it in the best way for Kiwis? This could be ensuring that the public funding is used in, in a really equitable way. Um, so thinking of things like public services, so employment and education and healthcare, uh, public transport, roads, these are the sorts of things that affect everyday people. And without the census, we won't really have a good idea of where those needs are, what needs to be changed. Maybe there might be welfare benefits that need to change. Maybe education needs to be funded. One of the most glaring shortcomings in the 2018 census was the response rate from, in particular, Māori and Pacifica communities. That must be a big problem for us on a societal kind of basis. The census really helps us get this clear understanding of the makeup of these communities and, and how it's changed, what's going on, what's going well, what's not going well, and what sort of programs might help and what areas may need to be helped. In terms of Māori culture specifically, you think about... Uh, the Tereo revival. So, so, so knowing how many, you know, how many people in the population are actually seeking Tereo, what iwi people are affiliated with, can be really powerful for these communities and can help in their decision making in, in different areas. And uh, determining the the Maori seats in the electoral role that's a very important one also. Super interesting stuff, Donnell Klein. Thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Producer John, are you much of a ChatGPT user out of interest? Oh, look, I've been known to dabble with with a little bit of AI-generated stuff in the office. Mm -hmm. Is it of practical use to you? Sometimes, you know, you'll throw something at it and it gives you a really clear, beautiful answer that makes your workday better because you've saved an hour of actual thinking by yourself. And then sometimes it just gives you absolute nonsense and you think, why did I even bother? I could have just asked the person next to me. A data scientist in Canada talking about it and saying, sometimes it's not effective because people are using it wrong, which seemed incongruous to me because I was kind of like, well, don't you just make a request and it delivers that request to you? Well, that's what I thought as well. But uh, it seems we can do better. And Brianna Brownell has written a list of the top mistakes and importantly, how we can fix them to actually get more out of ChatGPT. Glorious. All right, well, take us through them if you could, Producer Johnny. What's number one? It's asking ChatGPT for facts. Now, ChatGPT is limited to its training data, so even it can suffer from hallucinations when it's trying too hard, and it can actually just make facts up when it doesn't actually know the answer. So it can tell you a book that doesn't really exist, but it is great for like ideas and inspiration mm. and kind of remixing existing information and, and maybe expressing it in a different way. But if you want a fact, you're probably better off just using good old-fashioned Google. And apparently we're not meant to be polite lies to it. What? I know. Like, apparently, it's not good for ChatGPT. Now, we used to be nice to each other in the office because we don't want to be rude, of course. And when we're typing a request, we all kind of couch things in this really nice, polite, flowery language. But AI is not a person. And polite language can sometimes be really waffly and really confusing 
So when you are giving it to a machine that just wants to break it down and give you really, really clear answers, you need to be really direct and just ditch all the kind of polite, good manners stuff that we would normally use. I don't know about that. I, I, I think I'm still going to err on the side of caution, you know? I think a, a little thank you or a please never goes amiss. Exactly. I've seen iRobot. I know how this turns out. And uh, crucially, apparently, you need to fact check it. You need to fact check chat GPT. Yeah, I mean, it's not infallible. The data scientist behind these recommendations says the data can be outdated, incorrect, irrelevant, or even just total nonsense. So if you're looking at an answer that ChatGPT has given you, you need to double-check any kind of facts that it's given you just to make sure they are right and they are actually up to date. And I suppose understand its limitations as well. However, one of its limitations um, is not writing haikus about the executive producer of Newsball. Would you like to hear the one that it came up for? for have me? you written a poem about it? Well, me? I haven't. ChatGPT has. Oh, I'm so excited. You ready? Drum roll. <laughs> Jonathan Williams. Guiding Newsable's Essence. Podcast Maestro. Oh. I know, it's quite nice, isn't it? I might have to print that off and put that on the wall by the pod. Onto the quote wall it goes. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, an economic recession for New Zealand. Will it happen? Will it not happen? Who knows? It's like a really boring, nerdy twist on Ross and Rachel and friends. And annoyingly, you will get different answers depending on who you ask. So Treasury, for example, no longer expects the economy to slip into recession this year, but the Reserve Bank does want to push us in that direction as a way to counter inflation. It's clear as mud, and so to crystallise things for us a bit, we're joined now by the BNZ's chief economist, Mike Jones, for The Pulse. Kia ora to you, Mike. Kia ora, Emil. Look, um, a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. That's how it is defined. So what's the deal? Will we, won't we? What's your read? Well, as you said, uh, the Reserve Bank and the Treasury can't agree, so there's not much hope for the rest of us. I, I think we have seen the, you know, the debate, I guess, kick off again in the past couple of weeks because Treasury no longer expects a recession. Um, and you know, a lot of that actually is driven by the fact that there's a whole lot more people in the country. And as we've talked about before, you know, clearly the tourism and migration boom will increase measured output. But if you adjust for that and look at output per capita, you're suddenly back to a picture of the economy kind of flatlining or, or going backwards a little. So in, you know, in some ways, the kind of recession will we, won't we debate is a bit of a red herring. It's quite a narrow right. definition in terms of the fundamental assessment of the economy. Ours hasn't really changed. 
talk me through that because like my understanding of this is this hypothetical recession is desirable because it would cool down the economy which is a bit overheated so like what's happening here are we melting the ice packs mike yeah, we overheated. Coming out of COVID, uh, the economy ran too hot for its ability to deliver on you know, some of that demand. And you saw that blow out in terms of pricing and um, the labour market being extremely stretched. The economy was supply constrained. So the Reserve Bank is, is engineering the slowdown to try and kind of take the edge off demand and get us back into alignment, which should hopefully... Uh, bring inflation back down. And we got an update from them last week and they kind of said, well, yeah, all things considered, it's not a kind of a nice thing to have to do, but we are seeing progress towards the number one objective, which is you know, lower inflation. Inflation affects everyone, as Governor Orr keeps saying, it's no one's friend, and, and that's true. I guess I have always associated recession as being like a bad thing, like mosquitoes or leprosy. You know, there's no such thing as a good recession, but in some situations, recessions are desirable for the sort of midterm health of the economy. Is that it? Yeah, look, I wouldn't say a recession is desirable by, by any means. I, I think the way to characterise it from the Reserve Bank's perspective is kind of short-term pain for longer-term gain on the inflation right. Front because you know it still involves weaker conditions, businesses being affected, people being affected in terms of you know those higher interest rates, uh, less spending, all those sorts of things that we are seeing at the, at the moment. I guess the one positive is that we haven't, to date at least, seen any real big effects on the labour market. Mm. You know, labour market's still tight. People, uh, you know, still jobs uh, around are plenty and, and good wage growth. Now some of that might start to be chipped away over the coming year or so, but. Uh, that that part has been different from your normal kind of recession association, which is, you know, mm. big job cuts and, and that sort of stuff. We haven't seen that. Well, it's interesting stuff. I'm sure that we'll see more developments over the coming weeks and months, and we will talk to you about some of them as well. Mike Jones from BNZ, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Mel. See you next week. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child abuse no, numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. That, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. It, it, yeah, we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. We've got to talk about flying because it's getting to that time of year, isn't it, Producer Jono, where people are jetting off on holiday, Queenstown for a winter mini break or Fiji for some sun. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could do a bit of Fiji right now. That usually means plane travel and humans are disgusting on planes. Yeah, absolutely feral, a lot of us. Yeah, but a flight attendant with more than 20 years experience has written a list of rules, etiquette. For flying, for the New York Times. You've been looking at this, haven't you, Jono? I have, I have. And I've got to say, I agree with a lot of these because so many of these things are just, I think, basic politeness. Common that, courtesy. Common yeah. courtesy that people seem to disregard and throw away as soon as they strap themselves into a metal tube 30,000 feet in the sky. There are the obvious ones, right? These, like, clean up after your kids, you know. No one wants to hear your FaceTime conversation. So, like, those seem pretty self-explanatory to me. The controversial one for me was that the middle seat gets both armrests. That is outrageous. But, I mean, it makes it kind of makes sense, right? Because she's saying this is the consolation prize for being squished in between two other people and you don't get the window seat and you don't get the extra legroom from the aisle seat. So instead, you get both armrests. Your thoughts? 
Like, yeah, I understand the logic, but oh, imagine trying to enforce that in 37D or whatever when you're yeah. strapped in next to two people and you're like, nope, these armrests are mine. There's going to be some fights over that one. I like the one as well, which says everybody has the right to recline, but there's a polite way to do it. Now, how do you feel about reclining? People have to recline. Like, you can't sleep strapped, bolt upright in a plane seat. That is uncomfortable. I never recline. I never recline. You never recline. The situation in which I recline is if the person behind me has fallen asleep. Right. I hate it when people in front of me recline, but if they ask me if they can, then I'll say, of course, because it's the polite thing to do. I just choose not to do it myself. This is my cross to bear. See, I think it's all about when you choose to recline. Like, you don't recline during dinner service because... Eating out of one of those little plastic trays is difficult enough at the best of times, mm. let alone when someone in front of you has sandwiched your seat and tray table into the acutest of acute angles that you could ever have. Uh, one of the few things that I think everybody can agree on, which is keep your socks on. Take your shoes off. But mm. socks? Firstly, that carpet is not clean. <clears throat> like, please, people... Don't even think for a moment that plane has been cleaned properly in between flights. That carpet's gross. Keep something on your feet. Mm. Oh, mm. it's a no from me. I would love to hear stories from you, listeners, um, as to your most outrageous breaches of plane etiquette. You can email us, newsable at stuff.co.nz, or get in touch on TikTok or Instagram at newsablenz. That is Newsable for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Jono Williams. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us on your favourite podcast player and leave us a rating and a review. It helps other listeners to discover the show, and we just really appreciate it. Even better, if you know someone who'd enjoy it, just share it with them. Spread the word. Tell everyone you know about Newsable. It's a good time. It is indeed. Have a great day, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.